Good morning, Joy Church. How's it going today? Oh, man, good to not see you this morning. I just see like a few. Oh, there we go. Now I can see you. So good to see you, man. You guys are looking good today. You, you, you gussied up today. Everybody did a little something extra special, didn't you? You're like, we're going to go to church today, so we're going to put on our Sunday best and make sure the kids are, are dressed and clean and all that kind of good stuff. You know, getting your children to church on Sunday is hard, isn't it? Basically, there are a few things in this world that I would rather do um, less, very few things. Like, I mean, I suppose getting your kids to church on Sunday, there are things that are harder. I can't really think of them. I mean, I feel like disarming a nuclear bomb, maybe negotiating with Al-Qaeda. I mean, some of these things. But other than that, it's pretty tough. So if you are a parent of small children or teenagers and you got your kids to come to church today, pat yourself on the back. You're, you're a hero. You're doing an awesome job. I love it when I see the families come in. Uh, to church, you know, because Bethany and I have three little kids, and our kids woke up today with all kinds of demonic possession manifestation. Before we ever came to church, we had to have church at home. It was like, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. Not today, Satan. You can't come in. What is happening right now? You know, our kids are like, ah, and then kids are just so up and down. You know what I mean? So if you got kids to church today, good job. You're doing something right. You're doing something good. And it's important to get your kids to church every Sunday, isn't it? Because we get saturated with culture and society and all the messages and the noise and everything. And I don't really want Daniel Tiger or like uh, the rescue bots or, um, you know, like Dora the Explorer to disciple my children. I want them to grow up and be followers of Jesus, not followers of culture. Come on. So I'm excited that we're here today. Well, I'm going to shut up. I'm not preaching today. So this is all I get to do, right? So I'm it's like a pastor is just like in withdrawals when they don't get to preach on Sundays, you know. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. So today we're, we're finishing up our Meet the Neighbors series, and it's been so amazing. Uh, how many of you enjoyed hearing from Pastor Matt Moult last week? He was awesome. That was great. Well, guess what, guys? Pastor Matt's not here today, and somebody better is here to preach. A greater than Matt has come. Please edit this out of the video for Matt. Don't let him see it. Um, today we are joined by our dear friends, Jerusha and Ben. Coming from Hillsboro, Aloha, Beaverton. I don't actually know what city they live in or where they're from, but it's like Portland area. And uh, they are here with us this weekend, and Jerusha is going to be speaking. And I heard it in first service. It was amazing. So I know that you guys are in for a treat, but these guys are some of the greatest people. We love them. They are funny. They are smart. They are cool. He's handsome. She's beautiful. Like, you don't really get better. It's kind of like Ken and Barbie coming to preach. I'm a little jealous, but not a ton of percent jealous because because I'm Italian, you know, and Italians always think they got it going on, right? So, but uh, Ben and Jerusha uh, are, she's the executive pastor uh, at Living Hope Church in Beaverton, and Ben is a firefighter, and she'll tell you more about him. He's also the worship director and administrator, so they do a lot of, a lot of stuff, but Jerusha's going to share with us today, share uh, just an awesome message, and she's one of those voices in our culture, in our generation that is needs to be listened to because she has a great message and a great way of giving that message. And so we put your hands together and welcome her this morning as she shares. Thank you, Pastor Jake. Good morning, Joy. I love that your name is Joy. Don't you love that your name is Joy? I like my favorite thing to do in the whole world is laugh. Any takers? And so I feel like just being here, I just feel 
happy. Like Pastor Jake is basically a stand-up comedian. I don't know if you're aware, but I'm like, that was like a solid, like three minutes of funny. So I'm going to hopefully try to be a little bit entertaining because I feel like you can't come to a place like joy and be sad, right? Like we got to have fun at church today, even if the flood is happening, right? Like what is up with this rain? I came to beautiful Eugene thinking I could leave my rainy Portland behind. And it's like, I brought rain with me. So you're welcome. You can thank me for this. Uh, we're going to continue, like he said, talking in the Meet the Neighbors series. And today I want to talk about moving the neighbors. And yesterday in our hotel room, we had HGTV, which was amazing. And so uh, we were watching the HGTV show. And on the channel was the show called Love It or List It. Anybody ever seen that show? It's amazing. Number one, I want them to come to my house. So if you really like me at the end of the day, figure out, like text message them, email them, say there's this really nice person who lives in Hillsborough who wants you to go to her house. I mean, it's amazing. They redo your house. They make your house not look like your house. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, how are they adding on all these rooms? And you look at the outside and it looks exactly the same. And so there's one lady doing that. And then there's this guy who tries to convince you to leave your home and he shows you all these bigger, better, more beautiful houses. And the whole time we were watching it yesterday, every episode we're like, move, like, why are you staying? Move. And it was crazy because every single episode they stayed, they'd come home to their newly remodeled home and they're like, wow, it's beautiful. Right. And then they'd be like, we're staying. Why? Because moving is hard. And I know you know what I'm talking about because you go to a church, everybody hits up their church friends to move. It's like, hey guys, I'm moving. I'm having a party on Saturday. Come help me move. Number one, it's not a party. And number two, pizza is not payment. Can I get an amen on that? It is not payment. Go hire a moving company. I want like $20 an hour at least for what I'm about to do for you. So like I just try to like gracefully when I hear somebody starting a conversation about moving, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I think they just texted me about my kids. I think they're crying in kids ministry. I'm going to go. I'll talk to you about this later. Or, you know, you're in the group message. You just don't respond. And then they're like, hey, did you get that? What are you talking about? And you don't tell them that you actually put the group message on silent. <laughs> yeah, moving's hard. But then you're the person in the house, right, with the memories and the life. And you have the wall where you marked each year that your kids grew taller. You don't want to leave your home. Moving's hard. But moving in real life is even harder. <laughs> moving out of addiction moving out of a life of divorce, moving out of our just our mental hardship turmoil, moving is hard. And we live in a world where people actually need to move out of those places and into the glorious, beautiful life Jesus Christ has for them. And just like in real life, a person needs help moving, people need help moving. Uh, our next door neighbor, when she moved in, she her husband lived in California, and so she actually was trying to move into her house completely alone. 
It doesn't work very well, right? Have you ever tried to move a bed or a couch by yourself? It doesn't work, right? You know, you're like, you're shoving it. And you're like, why are you moving? So she, she's outside and my husband sees her struggling and he jumps in because he's a firefighter and that's what they do. They're just good people, right? Like, you know, we'll be out to coffee and people will come up to us and they'll be like, I just want to thank you for your service to my husband. And I'm like, what about me? I'm a pastor. Aren't you thanking me for my service? Most of the time they're like, we don't like pastors, right? You know, but like firefighters are good people because they see a lady struggling to move a bed and they jump in and they help her move her stuff. We can't move alone. People can't move alone. We got to help people move to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk today about is moving people to Jesus. And we're going to look at a story in the gospel of Luke. And Luke wasn't one of the disciples. Luke was a physician. He wasn't Jewish. He was super smart. And he like had a great handle on the Greek language. And he was a friend of Paul's who wrote most of the New Testament and they were buddies together. And so he has this beautiful way of showing us insider looks at Jesus, our healer. And we're going to look at a story today and we're going to talk about the three things required to move the neighbors, the three things required to move people to Jesus. And it starts out in verse 17, and it says this, on one of those days while he was teaching, it was just one of those days, Jesus was always teaching, right? It was just one of those things, Pharisees, and that's just a Bible word for religious people you don't like, okay? So just fill that in. Religious people, none of those people go to joy. They go to all the other churches. So don't worry. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people at all the other churches, which is why you need to invite people to Easter to this church, right? Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. The Pharisees and the teachers, I'm just kidding. They're not. They're beautiful people. I, in case you don't get my humor, like they're lovely. We, lo- we love everybody. We're Christians. We're supposed to, right? Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Can I tell you, that's what religious people tend to do. They tend to sit there when we're supposed to be moving people to Jesus. They're sitting there. They're evaluating everything. Oh, is this good? Would this be? No. They're just, God is saying, no. Quit being religious. Quit sitting. It's time to move people to Jesus. It's time to move people into relationship with Jesus. And people had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power was on Jesus to heal. I'm going to say that again. The Lord's power was on Jesus to heal. I sometimes wonder what the church in the U.S. would look like if we actually believed God's power is in Jesus to heal, to change lives, to set people free. I wonder if we'd just be sitting listening or we'd actually get up and do something because we recognize if we bring a person to Jesus, if we bring him into relationship with Jesus, it changes everything. He heals everything. He forgets our past He takes away our shame and our guilt. He comes and he gives us his grace and his mercy. He puts marriages back together. He gets parents to actually see their kids and spend time with their kids. If we actually understood that God's power is on Jesus to heal, 
I think it set the world in motion. I think it set the church in motion. I think it set Eugene in motion. And just then, isn't isn't that fun? Just then, it's like right now, just then. What if just right now this happened? Some men, not specific men, not smart men, not the disciples, just some men. You know how the Bible uses specific people's names all the time? I love it, right? I'm like, oh, that person in the Bible, that person. But sometimes it'll be really vague, and it will use an expression like this. And you know what I realize when I hear the phrase, some men? I realize there's a place for me in the story. I'm just some girl. (laughs) I'm just some woman who's got a revelation of who Jesus is. And you know what I want to do with that revelation? I want to move everyone I know into relationship with him. I don't want anybody separated from this Jesus I know. I'm a girl in motion. Why? Because I'm just some girl who gets that the power of God is in Jesus to heal, and I'm going to bring people to him. Are you like me? Are you some guy, some girl? You know the first thing that's required in order to move people to Jesus? Ordinary people. That means there's a place for us in the story. And it says, some men came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. I love in the Bible where there's the story of Abraham. We'll call him Abe. And Abe's just a son of some guy somewhere in Canaan. And him and his dad are idol worshipers. They're not people who God should choose. But God comes to Abe and he says, hey, Abe, I got a place. I got a promise. I got a people for you. And you know what ordinary guy Abe says? Yes. And then God comes in an angel to a little 13-year-old girl. And he says, hey, you, I want to pick you and I want to make you special. And I want you to be the mom of my son. And his name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to change everything, and my power to heal is going to be in him. And you know what Mary says? She says, yes. And then Jesus comes to 12 guys who one of them ends up being a traitor, and one's a tax collector, a.k.a. loan shark, right? Some of them are fishermen, right? They're gruff. They're tough. They're not the seminarians. They're not the pastors. They're people without labels. One guy is a zealot, which really means he starts a lot of fights. And God comes to them. Jesus walks by and he says, hey, follow me. And you know what they all do? It's crazy. They literally get up and they start following. Because you know what they recognized on Jesus? The power to revolutionize everything. And when I read stories like this, this is what I recognize I'm just an ordinary person living in a state most people can't pronounce. Oh, you're from Oregon? No, it's Oregon. And if God can use an idol worshiper like Abraham, and if he can use a little 13-year-old teenage girl, and if he can use some honestly loserish disciple guys, he can for sure use me. Come on, somebody. And he can use you. And he's looking for some people who are saying, yeah, I'm ordinary, but I know a God who's extraordinary, and I recognize on Jesus the power to change everything. 
at our church, uh, there's a couple who are just some of my best friends. And three years ago this month, they came to our church. And you know how they came to our church? Because their son was playing on a football team with a 12-year-old kid in our church. And one day after practice, he said, hey, you should come to my church. And who can say no to a 12-year-old boy? Nobody, right? It's like, okay, sure. So they came one Sunday, two Sundays, three Sundays, four Sundays. Then they're giving their lives to Jesus. Then they're getting baptized. Now they run our ministry like your guys' next steps. They run that and they help people follow Jesus. They help people make decisions to get baptized. They help people find their place in the church. Why? Because an ordinary kid said, hey, I know a Jesus who can change everything. And my job is to get you to him. And if I can get you to him, your whole lives will be changed. The story goes on and it says, they tried to bring him and set him down before Jesus. Ever tried to bring somebody to Jesus and it didn't work? Ever, ever gave somebody an invite card and they're like, no? I was watching this episode from a church. They're getting church planters ready. It's like, you know, one of those reality TV shows. It's really legit. They're friends of mine, but they're trying to get them ready to plant churches. And so there's this first half of the episode is really spiritual and meaningful. And then the end of the episode, he always does, the pastor does crazy things with them to get them to, you know, get over their fears and stuff. And so they're in Israel and they're making them take selfies as many as they can in two minutes with people. And whoever gets the most selfies taken with people wins. And they get extra points for things. And I'm watching it, and they were getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And I was like, sometimes that's what it feels like when you're inviting people to church. There's obstacles in the way of us getting people to Jesus. And you know, the story goes, they tried, and they turned around. No. They tried and decided, I'm just the first stop in a long line of people who are going to touch this person's life. So this just isn't my moment. No, that'd be a lame story. It wouldn't make it in the Bible. Come on now. We need to lead lives worthy of making it in the Bible. They tried. There was an obstacle. There was a crowd. There's only one way into the room. They can't get through that one way. So what do they do? They've got to try some creative approaches. It's time that the church got creative about helping people move to Jesus. Just because it worked in the 1980s doesn't mean it's going to work today. Just because it worked in 2018 doesn't actually mean it's going to work today. We got to get creative. There's people whose lives are a mess. There's people who are in trouble. It's going to take some people who are like, hey, I'm ordinary, but you know what? I'm pretty creative. I did art in first grade. I sometimes do art with my kids. I can figure this out. I can figure out how I can help this person find Jesus. And so what happens? Since they could not find a way to bring him in, because of the crowd, and there's a lot crowding people's lives. There's a lot of noise. Culture is noisy. Kids are noisy. Jobs are noisy. Finances are noisy. There's a lot of noise. We got to get creative. They went up on the roof. What? 
I do not even like heights. God would not ask me to go up on a roof. He might. There's people we got to move to Jesus. There's people we got to get to Jesus. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. This is what they did. They pulled back the tiles. And we're not talking a little circle. We're talking an area big enough that they could lower a guy on a stretcher. And they pull it back and they begin to dig through mud to make an area large enough to lower him down. And once they've done that, then they lower him down. You know what's crazy? No one sees them. They don't end up in the middle of the room. The guy who needs to get to Jesus does. Why? Because we're not the hero of the story. The guy getting healed is not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And we're moving people to the hero. We're moving people to the help. We're moving people to the healer. That's our job. We got to have some creative approaches to helping people come to Jesus. There's a lady in our church who is just like evangelist extreme. I'm going to tell you, she's a lot. She's a 65-year-old woman who honestly thinks she's like 25. She gets more high schoolers at our youth church than any youth worker we have, than any other high school student. You know how she does it? She'll like walk up to people and she'll be like, hey, you need to come to my church. And they're like, okay, you're a 65-year-old woman. She's like, I know, we have the best youth church. And then she starts telling everything about it. She's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy you these vans. I'm going to take you to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to do it. And people are like, okay. One day she sat at a wrestling match for eight hours. Guys, wrestling, it lasts for like five seconds. Why did she do this? Because she's a really good person? No, because she gets that you got to get creative about getting people to Jesus. And she, if she sat at the wrestling match, this kid who doesn't even have parents who will watch his game was so moved by her watching his match that he's like, okay, I'll check out your church. That's creative. We got to get creative. In a show called Friends, there's an episode with Ross and Rachel. You're like, isn't that every episode? Yeah. Okay, anybody here agree with me? Ross, why? You know, why Ross? Couldn't have we had somebody other than Ross? Okay, enough said. She's Rachel. I mean, come on. So he buys this beautiful couch. He loves it. He's trying to get it up to his apartment. And there's this curved staircase. He's trying to get it up. And so being Ross, he draws draws a diagram for how they're going to move the couch up the stairs. And so him and Rachel are moving the couch up, and it's awful. He's like, left, left. And she's like, I hate you. I hate you. You know, it's going awful. The couch ends up over the side, and she's like, isn't this where you want it? And he's like, no. So then Chandler gets involved. And so they've all three are now moving the couch. It's got to work, right? It's got to work. And so here they're going up the stairs and Ross is just so annoyed. And so he starts yelling the famous pivot, pivot, you know, pivot. And Chandler's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Right. And Chandler's squished against the wall and the couch is not going up the stairs. And they're like, yeah, this isn't going to work, and your diagram was stupid. (laughs) How many times do we keep using 
the same methods on someone. And we're like, we're going to get this person to Jesus or else. And it's not working when what we need to do is we need to pivot. And if that one way isn't working, maybe there's another way God wants to give us. Maybe we're supposed to leave a present on their desk at work, or maybe we're supposed to invite them to dinner, or maybe we're supposed to babysit their kids. Although if you're creepy, don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. But if you're really nice and like kind and you make cookies, do that. Yes. Do that. Right. We got to pivot. We got to pivot in life. Just because somebody hasn't responded before, that doesn't mean that we need to back off. Maybe it means we need to change our approach. We got to get creative with it. Can I tell you, if you're a terrible person, you need to change your approach, right? Okay, let's be real. I I remember when I had my little babies and I'd be in line at Costco and my baby is screaming and some woman who's given birth to a child, okay, would literally run in front of me with her cart so she could go through the line first. And I'm like, okay. And then I thought to myself, I hope you're not a Christian. (laughs) Like help the girl with the crying baby out, right? Look around us. There's people who just need kindness. You know what's probably going to make somebody want to come to your church? If you buy their groceries for them. I mean, if you bought my groceries, I'd be like, where do you live? I'm just going to come be your friend. You know, be the person in the coffee line who buys the coffee of the person behind you, especially if you have the joy bumper sticker, right? We got to get creative with our approach. We got to get that the person with the power to heal is Jesus. And we're moving people to Jesus. And that requires creativity. It goes on and it says, seeing their faith. What? He doesn't see the guy's faith. He sees their faith. Whoa. I can change everything for someone. Come on now. Some people don't have enough faith for themselves. Some people don't have enough faith for their marriage. Some people don't have enough faith for their kids. You know what they need? They need some ordinary people trying some creative approaches to get them to Jesus. And when Jesus sees our faith, something amazing happens. I know I'm following Jesus because some people had really great faith and they didn't give up on me when I deserved for them to give up on me. They got creative just ordinary people. And I have the life I have, and I have the world's most amazing husband, and I have the most amazing kids, and I have the best job, and I get to be at a church like Joy that has some of the best pastors on the planet. Seriously, you guys have the greatest pastors. They're smart, they're funny, they're kind. At the event Friday night, they were the ones helping pick up everything. And I'm standing here Because people had faith to get in my mess and get my life to Jesus. Who's waiting on you to get in their mess and get them to Jesus? And seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. What? We just thought... This was about healing. No, it's about so much more. Jesus doesn't want him to just walk. He wants him to experience a new life. 
He wants the guilt gone. He wants the shame gone. He wants to take away all the pain of the past. He wants to give him a new life. And Jesus is telling us something so important about him. This is his first encounter with the Pharisees. And what's Jesus telling everybody? He's screaming out for everyone to know, I'm not just a really cool guy who heals. I'm not just a really cool guy who says really catchy, clever, story-ish things. I'm the son of God. We're not just getting people to a cool service, although it's cool. You're in a theater. We're not just getting people to some cute songs. We're getting people to the Son of God, who doesn't just heal us. He changes everything. He pivots our life. We were going this way. All of a sudden, we're going that way. We have no business going that way, except for we encountered the Son of God. And when you encounter the Son of God, that's what happens. And he's looking for some ordinary men and women, some ordinary people with some really creative approaches who are saying, yeah, I'm going to get people to Jesus. I'm going to get people to the Son of God. I'm going to get people to the one who he's in charge of it all. And this is what I know they're going to experience more than just healing. They're going to experience more than just a sense of peace. Their whole lives are going to be revolutionized. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves. Ever had people thinking to themselves about you? It's so stressful. And it's like they think you don't know what they're thinking, but you know you're watching their eyes do this to you, right? And you're like, stop looking me up and down, okay? Like, leave me alone. We know those people. They're not in this room, by the way. They're at other churches. (laughs) Okay. So who is this guy speaking heresy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't get it. The religious people didn't get it. They were in the presence of God. They missed it. Do you know how easy it is for us, especially people who've grown up in the church who do this over and over again? It's like, yeah, Jesus. No, Jesus, the son of God. The one who has the power to change everything. That's who we're getting people to. But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus always knows what we're thinking. He replied, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or get up and walk. But so you may know that I'm the son of God who has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Pivot. Ordinary people, creative approaches, expecting extraordinary outcomes. When you get in the presence of Jesus, the extraordinary happens. When I get people, when I move people to Jesus, I watch life after life turn around. It's why I'm a pastor. Because I watch people whose lives are just broken in shambles. I watch girls who were molested when they were kids, and I watch them live a totally different life than they should. Why? Because there's a Jesus in the picture, and when Jesus gets in the picture, he changes everything. 
And so we're just some ordinary people trying out some creative approaches, expecting the extraordinary. You know what happens? We'll be in a service and we'll pray for somebody. This happened to me. I prayed for them. And I just saw this really specific thing for them. And I saw God breaking them out of just this darkness and this heaviness. And then I find out the night before they were in a car accident where they hit a pedestrian that they sent to the hospital. And they're broken. And their lives are all messed up over it. And in a moment, because Jesus is in the room, everything changed. We expect the extraordinary. We expect services where a kid who used to really love Jesus but had a horrible, hard life, he didn't have parents who were calling him to follow, had walked away from Jesus. And then on Sunday, I'm literally on stage speaking, and I look in the back, and I see this kid who's walked away from God back in the building, back wanting to walk with Jesus. Why? Because when you walk with Jesus, when you're moving people to Jesus, the extraordinary happens. You have a conversation with your amazing concierge at the hotel this morning telling her about joy. And she's like, I'm going to try to come this morning. I'm going to check out that church. She hasn't been here. I don't think she's here. I've been looking for her. But I know she's going to come here. Why? Because when you're following Jesus, when you get Jesus, you want to move everyone to Jesus. Because it's with Jesus that the extraordinary happens. church in the U.S. would fully get who Jesus really is. If we would understand he's the son of God, he can take away anything we've done. He can forgive us. He can change any situation. He can change any story. He can cause any life to pivot in a moment. We'd be constantly moving people to Jesus. This room is supposed to be filled week after week, service after service, with people you and I are moving to Jesus. Just ordinary people. Nothing special about us. We don't have Kyle's hair. We're really creative. We'll try anything. Sometimes it's going to fail. One of the lady I was telling you about, she's a super inviter, right? It's like a thing. She actually puts our invite cards in every single one of her jackets so she can be sure quick to invite everyone. And she says she will not go to bed at night until she's invited two people to church. And she sometimes will actually go get in her car and just drive to a store just to invite somebody. That's a creative approach. We got to get that attitude about moving people to Jesus. And then finally, we got to know that when we do, the extraordinary is going to happen. It closes with this, and it says, immediately he got up before them. Whoa, wouldn't that be a great service? Pastor Jake's preaching. Somebody brings somebody on a stretcher, and they get up in front of you. How many of you know this place will be packed for years, right? I want to see that again. 
And they, he went home glorifying God. He's changed. But then get this. Then everyone, even the religious people, yeah, everyone was astounded. What? And they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe. And they said, we have seen incredible things today. The guy walking, for sure. But more than that, they've seen Jesus. Not the good guy, not the moral teacher, not even the healer. They've seen Jesus, the Son of God, who forgives our sins, who takes the weight of our wrong on himself and bears it for us on the cross. That's who they see. And what do they do? They're like, whoa, Jesus, we see you. So this morning, I'm praying. If you're in here and you're like, I know Jesus, let's be moving people to Jesus. Let's be moving people to see Jesus. But if you've never known or been introduced to Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus the Savior, Jesus, the one who doesn't just say, stand up and walk, but he says, your sins are forgiven you. Today, he wants to know you. Today, he wants to be introduced to you. Today, he wants to cause your life to pivot and go a different direction. So if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're in here and you're like, yeah, I want to know that Jesus I want to experience that, Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I believe there's several of you in here who are just like, yeah, that's for me. I want to know him. And I'd like you all, thank you for your hands. Brave. I'd like you all to just pray this with me. Jesus, we confess you're God. You're the son of God. We repent of our sin We turn the other way, and we invite you to be Lord of our lives, our Savior, our God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Ordinary people, creative approaches, expecting extraordinary outcomes. Let's move people to Jesus.